Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Morning, everyone. It is amazing to be here in this place, preaching again, but more importantly, just having fellowship with one another. And and I know that there's only a few people in the auditorium, and there's lots of people at home. Just a, a very warm welcome to all of you, and, and for you to know that I love and appreciate each and every one of you. And we should love one another, just as Jesus loves us. So this morning, is, it's a privilege for me to be here. I don't take this opportunity lightly. Um, we're a team, and we preach as a team. It's not just me as an individual that preaches every week, and uh, it's important, I think, for us to do that. And and in that light, we've been uh, we're having preaching meetings. There's a group of us. I know that we've spoken about this before, but I have to tell you that it is literally off the charts amazing. When we get together and we talk about Jesus, we are just smashed by the Holy Spirit. The stories just flow. It is just an incredible time. And I was thinking about that. Why is it like that? You know, why is it that we're experiencing Holy Spirit so strongly when, we, when we're having these meetings? And I, I think it's, a, it's because we're talking about Jesus. You know, when we talk about Jesus, there's, there's an anointing that comes. When we represent Jesus well, the, the Father and the Holy Spirit just say yes and amen, and he, and he arrives. So I want to encourage you guys, even if you guys at home, any opportunity you have, just start talking about our amazing Jesus. He's amazing. And, and when we talk about him, there's just this presence of God that just fills us. Graham was just sharing on Friday when we were at the worship event that he was smashed the whole of Tuesday. It was only later that afternoon that he could gather himself. But guys, I want to encourage you to talk about Jesus. Wherever you are, whenever you are, any opportunity, just talk about our amazing King. Just talk about him. He's amazing. So I'm continuing on the series called Jesus Is. Um, so Luke started off our series, and uh, he, he spoke about Jesus being the light of life and uh, how Jesus reveals the value in us. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go and find it on, on YouTube and watch it. It is a great message, and we all need to know it. And then last week, Evan smashed it out the park, even with the load shedding of problems and technical things we had, Evan, you did an incredible job of just telling us what Jesus has done. He's done it all for us, and he has paid the ultimate price, and also an amazing message. Guys, this series, there's an anointing on it. Go and listen to the messages. I'm really, I want to encourage you to do that, and you will see that you will be changed. Holy Spirit will arrest you. Um. So my message this morning is Jesus is the revealer of the true Father. And uh, when, I, when I thought about it, I thought, oh, great, it's a, it's a message that I, I know well. I know the Father. I know who, who God the Father is. And yeah, this should be easy. 
But I tell you what, it is such a vast subject that my mind has been schmuckled. It is, it, is, it is this way and that way. I'm like, wow, God, what do you really want me to share this morning? So I really believe I'm, I'm probably just going to scratch the surface of the depth of who the Father is. And uh, so I'm going to do as much justice to it as possible. Um. You know, one of the biggest questions that the human race asks is, who is God? What is he like, or, or what is he even? Um, and the problem is, is that humans don't go to the source to find out the truth. They make up their own mind. They, they, in their arrogance, the human race says, oh, I know what he's like. I'll, I'll describe him to you. I'll tell you what he's like. And it's actually really sad, because the image that we get is nowhere near the image that the Father wants us to know. I mean, I've heard people say, yo, he's, he's, like, he's like the big guy in the sky, you know? He's, he's the, the man with the long white beard and he sits on his throne. Or he's the, the hard taskmaster just waiting to, to whip you when, you when you're out of line. Or he's like a big marshmallow, too soft to do anything, and sits back in despair as he watches us hurt ourselves. And I mean, I'm sure there's lots more images that you've heard of, and even yourself might have uh, had some of these images when you were growing up. And why do I say it's sad? You know, it's, it is really sad that we have the wrong picture of who the Father is. Because it's sad for us that we haven't got to know who the Father really is and what He's really like. But it's, imagine it's for Him. Imagine what it would be like for Him to say, guys, come to me and I'll tell you what I'm like. I'll show you what I'm like. But the human race turns away in its arrogance and says, I'll work it out for myself. And that, that pride that I'm going to talk about this morning is something that God resists. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But misrepresenting the Father is not what Jesus does. <laughs> Jesus represents the Father perfectly. You know, our image of the Father is probably painted by our earthly fathers or us observing other fathers, good and bad fathers. Our image of God, the Father, is probably painted more likely from our image of our fathers than anything else. Um, so I'll tell you about my dad. My dad, Robin Tedder, an amazing man. Ducks of school, highly intelligent, very wise. When I was growing up, I thought he knew everything. <laughs> he was an incredible man. A doctor, top of his class, it comes with bad handwriting. It's probably the only thing I thought he did badly was his handwriting. He was strong. He was capable. He was a farmer. He was diligent. He was, wonderful. He was a wonderful person. He loved his community. He served his community. He loved his wife, my mom. He was quiet. He was dark and handsome. So you've got a little bit of a picture of what he's like, eh? Hey, he's a hero. Yeah, he was my hero. But then something happened in my life. 
And I realized my dad wasn't the perfect picture at all. And I've used this before. This is a, a letter that he wrote to me when my brother died. It is a highly emotional letter that he, that he sent to me. Um, for those of you that don't know what a letter is, it's a piece of paper that is written on with a pen, and it's posted with a postage stamp, and it arrives at your door. And uh, it's quite exciting, actually, to get a letter. But um, it's like an email, but it's on paper. Anyway, so my brother died of heart cancer, and uh, it was an absolutely devastating moment in my life, completely life-changing for me. Um, my image of what life was like, what God was like, all those things was just completely destroyed. And I went on this terrible journey of trying to destroy my own life. But anyway, in the midst of that, I get this letter from my dad. And it says this, Dearest Roger, I just felt like I'd like to put in writing some of my feelings. Sorry, but I felt too emotional to be able to express myself well to you after Steve's death. I still feel awful. It feels like a nightmare that should end, but somehow won't. Sorry you weren't, sorry you weren't with us when Steve died. I did realize he couldn't go on long like that. He was suffering and getting weaker, but it was hard to admit to myself, let alone tell you who adored Steve so. Perhaps I should have prepared you better, and Clive and, and Bruce, but as a father and not a doctor. I still hoped for a miracle via the chemotherapy. Steve was also so brave, unafraid of dying, that he didn't show his extreme tiredness to the extent others would have. I do hope you're feeling a bit better now. We will always have an ache in our hearts when we think of Steve, but we must remember that he was a true Christian. He believed fully and is with the Lord. That is a wonderful consolation to me now, even now. And I pray that all my family will be true Christians to the end, even as he was. And some of you would say, you know, what an amazing dad. He wrote that amazing letter to you. He expressed himself to you. He, he, he was concerned about you. He was concerned about your feelings. But you know that my dad wasn't really an emotional guy. In fact, he was, he was so emotional that he withdrew. So you never knew how emotional he was. He never shared his deep heart with you. I painted God the Father with that same brush. I said to myself, God is not there for me. God doesn't understand me. God isn't there when I need him. I need to do it on my own. I love my dad, don't get me wrong. My dad was amazing, incredible man. And Carol, we think of Frank today on his birthday. What an amazing man. Luke, your dad. Our dads are amazing. But they're not perfect. We need to understand, guys, that we are not to paint God, the Father, with the same brush that we have an image of our earthly fathers. And it is a time now for us as, as fathers, or to think of our fathers, and to remember them for the good things 
but also they, they had weaknesses. I don't hold that against my dad anymore. I don't hold that against him. I know what my dad is like, and I know what my heavenly dad is like too. But I went through a stage of painting the heavenly father with an earthly brush. I think Holy Spirit is saying something to us this morning about that. Our heavenly father is perfect. This painting is a gift to me from my wife and from, from Peter and Kath. Just an amazing painting. It, it, to me, looks perfect, but it's not. It's just an image. It is, I mean, you need to come and see this painting. It is just amazing, but it is not perfect. It is just an image. Jesus, if Jesus was standing here, he would give us the perfect image of what the Father is like. As fathers, we need to say to ourselves, I'm speaking to the fathers now, say to yourself, what image are you etching on your children's hearts of what the Father is like? Because immediately, we paint on our children's hearts a picture of what fatherhood is. It better be good. But I want to say this. We need to understand that we are not perfect. Our children should not look to us for the image of the Father. The image of the Father can only be revealed by the Son, the true Son. We as fathers need to direct our children to Jesus, because Jesus will represent the Father well, not you. Right now, there's a, a group of young men on Pass Through Fire, and I know one thing for sure over this weekend, that the leaders of Pass Through Fire would have told the dads on the, on the weekend that yes, you need to have a relationship with your sons, but more importantly, you need to direct them to the true Father. Always, always, moms and dads, direct your children to the true father so they, they will understand who they are because the father gives them their identity. My children look a little bit like me. They behave a little bit like me. They behave a little, little bit like Tanya. But their true identity is not found in us. It is found in their Father from heaven. And now I'm completely off my notes. Okay. So Jesus does say that the Father in heaven is perfect in Matthew 5 verse 48. But he says we are to approach the Father with humility. There is a reverence that we need to show to the Father. Yes, we are supposed to um, honor our mothers and fathers on earth, absolutely, but we also honor the Holy Father, the perfect Father in heaven. And when Jesus tells us how do we approach, how do we pray to the Father, he starts off in Matthew um, 6, from 5 to 15. He first goes about telling us how not to pray. He says, don't be arrogant and foolish and stand on the corners as, as some people do, you know, and shout out and make it all about me. 
It says, don't do that. Don't be prideful. And then he goes into our Father. What has he done? Immediately, what has he done? He says, you are included. All of you, our our, we have a Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Your earthly fathers, amazing as they are, or maybe not so amazing, but you have a true Father in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says, our Father. He immediately says, Poof, draws us all in. Our Father, you're included. You're included in this family. You know that um, the Jews didn't like this concept, actually. They didn't like the concept of God being a father. In fact, you know in the Old Testament, God is only referred to as father about seven times. That's, that's crazy. I, I would have thought yeah, many times, you know, God the father, God the father, yeah, Old Testament, only about five or six, seven times. In the New Testament, Jesus arrives and he just doesn't stop telling us that God is a father. He doesn't stop. In John's gospel, that's why we, we're so into John's gospel, a hundred times, 100 times he mentions God as being father. I think he's trying to tell us something. God is a father. Yeah, in John's gospel, a hundred times, in the other gospels, only 63 times. I just thought I'd throw that out there because it shows you how clever I am. Like, just like my dad, my dad, just like him. <laughs> yeah. You know, he says, our father in heaven, we have a spiritual Family, a spiritual side of us. He's not only telling us about God the Father, but he's telling us something about ourselves. We too are spiritual and we are connected to a spiritual family, which is amazing. Um, Tan, do you want to come up? Um, So I mentioned earlier in John, John 14, it says, John 14 and 9, it says, he who has seen me, Jesus speaking, has seen the Father. He is revealing that he is the perfect image. Not a painted image, but a perfect image. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. There's no gray area here. I am a perfect representation. And uh, just because of the painting and because uh, we are stronger together uh, and Tanya reads better than me, I've asked her to read my scripture for me this morning. Is that okay? Cool. Yeah, and just, yeah, that painting is actually called Stronger Together. Um, yeah, we love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's entitled The Authority of the Sun. Just before you carry on, so what's happened, the backstory to this is that Jesus arrived to Jerusalem and uh, he, the, he came to the pool of Bethesda and there's a cripple there that can't get into the pool. I think a lot of you know the story. And Jesus says to him, what do you want? Did, you know, he goes like, uh, it's a bit obvious. You know, I need to get in the water. I'm a bit crippled. I can't make it because everyone rushes in before me. 
Anyway, that's the backstory, and Jesus says, okay, be healed. And he's healed, which everyone like, just brushes over, but it's amazing, okay? It is amazing. He heals the sick. Uh, even now, he heals the sick. Um, but he did it on a Sabbath. <laughs> Scandal. Okay, so that's the backstory. Okay. So from verse 16, it says, So because Jesus was doing these things, things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work. To this very day, sorry, I lost my place. Um, I don't know, <laughs> went off. To this very day, and I am working too. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life to whom he pleases to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Mm. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Wow, thank you. That was good. Teamwork, all good. Sure. So when I read that scripture, I was like, oof, there's a lot in this. Um, how do we even begin? And I, I felt like this morning what we needed to do was just to take out a few little aspects of what Jesus is saying in the scripture. What he was, he was try, trying to give us an image of what the Father does. Because he starts off, my Father is working and always is working. Even now is working. And because the Father is working, so is He. So the Father is doing stuff. He's telling us the Father is busy. He's a busy man. He's busy about you. This morning, when the babies arrived, it was like bees to honey. Everyone was like, babies. Let's look. God is like that with you, he, He's busy around you. He's busy. He's not concerned about our own rules like the Sabbath. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about affirming his son. In the scripture, the father loves the son. In, in other scriptures, in Matthew 3.17, one of my favorite scriptures, when Jesus comes out of the 
the water after being baptized. The Father affirms the Son. He's busy. He's there. He's present. His voice comes out, and he affirms his, his children. He raises up. He stoops down in, in Psalm 18. He stoops down, and he makes us great. Okay? No matter the mess you make, he will make you great. Um, he shows the Son what he's doing. Scripture says he shows the, the, the Son what he's doing. It implies that there is a unity. We partner with him. He shows us so that we can. Okay? What, is Jesus, what has Jesus just done? He's just healed the lame. What do we do? We heal the sick. He shows us. The Father's doing this. We can do this. So he's, he's painting a picture for us. He gives authority. Okay, the Father gives authority to Jesus. What does Jesus do? He gives authority to us to reign and rule in this world. Isn't it amazing? That, that partnering, that, that family business that God's all about. There's, there's something going on here. He provides, he gives his word, he protects, he creates a world for us. He loves, God is love, he's generous. So what Jesus is doing is doing what the Father would do or does. So when, when Jesus is doing something, if, if, you, if we just read the scripture and we, and we see what Jesus is doing, we need to have in our minds, he's not, doing, he's not a lone ranger. Jesus is not a lone ranger. He's doing what the Father is doing. He's, he's, he's a perfect representation of the Father. When he loves, when he, when he shows compassion, when he heals, when he raises the dead, it's a perfect picture of the Father. So he's an amazing Father. And, he, and he's represented so beautifully in the Son. <clears throat> But then I'd like to use a story that reveals the heart of the father. And it is the story of the prodigal son. And we've heard it a hundred times. Jesus uses this story to paint the most beautiful picture of what God the Father is like. And I want for us this morning to just picture in your mind the story. Immerse yourself in the story. Be there. Be, smell what's going on. See what's going on. Just, just see what Jesus is actually showing us. So we know the story. The son wants his inheritance early. Basically kicking the father in the teeth, saying, you might as well be dead to me. I want the inheritance now. The father, in his graciousness, no problem, son. You can have the inheritance and he goes and he squanders it. And he ends up doing the worst job that a Jew could do. <laughs> Think about it. The worst job. Cleaning up pig pens. Okay? We all know that Jews don't like pigs, let alone being and living in the pigsty. And he realizes, he comes to his senses, he realizes, hey, I'm, hey, I'm missing it here. I'm, I've... I've Messed up really badly, but actually in my father's house, the servants get more than what I'm getting now. So I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than be where I am now. So he, he, he starts his journey back. And then the scripture says 
that the father sees the son from afar off. So you can picture it. There's dad on the veranda, sipping his tea, but constantly looking and waiting. Do you think he's on the veranda just sipping his tea? No, 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 no. He's waiting for his son. Every day, he's waiting for you to come back. And he sees his son from afar off. (laughs) No more tea. I'm going for my son. And he picks up his garments and he runs. And we all know that men in those days weren't supposed to run. I don't think they're allowed to play touch rugby. But they, they ran. He, I mean, the father ran. He broke the rules. Why? Because he saw his son. He ran after his son. And he runs straight up to his son. And the son is like, Dad, Dad, I've, I've, I've messed up big. You know, I've, I've sinned against you and against heaven. What does the dad do? Yeah, you stupid, dirty, rotten scoundrel. Who do you think you are running back home, coming back here? You must go. No, doesn't do that. Come here, my boy. Big kiss. Smelling like pig poo. He embraces. He doesn't mind that. That's the least of his worries. My boy is home. And in our meeting, Evan says, do you know why he kissed him? Because he reinstated him into the family. Because someone that has taken an inheritance earlier, early is no longer part of the family. He's taken, and he did it even worse, he squandered it. So the villagers that he would have had to come through would have been in their full rights to stone him. And until the father acknowledged him back as his son. So he embraced him, he kissed him. Then what does he do? Okay, boy, now you must work as a slave in the house and earn your keep, okay? Go to the servants' quarters. That's where you're gonna stay, okay? Just until you sort out your life. And go and take a shower as well, please, man. He doesn't do that. He says, hey, servants, Get the cow, get, the, get that big fat one. Let's have a feast, man. Get the table out. Let's, let's have a party tonight. My son has returned. Hey, lights, everything, drums. It's, I mean, it's, it's a party. It's a, it's a proper party. It's a celebration. Can you, can you see the judgment in, in the story? Can you see the judgment? Can you? I can't see any judgment. And that amazes me. There's no judgment. The father doesn't judge. (laughs) It's like, what? It's crazy. Anyway, but the other son, who's been out working, comes home, and he can hear that there's a party going on. And uh, why? So he calls the servants. He says, hey, what's what's going on at, at, at home? I don't know about this. No one told me. Why not? He says, I'm not going in there. He says, my brother, he's no longer my brother. He squandered what dad gave him. He took half of our land and, he, and he's disposed of it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy. Where's the judgment in the story? Uh-huh. Judging each other. 
Last week or the week before, I said we are not to judge one another. Jesus is saying the same thing in the story. Do not judge your brother. Love him. Embrace him. Do as the Father is doing. Okay? Then what happens? Dad comes out. Hey, son. We're having a party, man. Come. Uh-uh. I, I don't want, I'm, you know what, eh? I've been working here, Dad, for so long. You know, and you didn't even give me a goat so that I could have a party with the family? No, with my mates. Subtlety in the story is lost when we brush over. There is a depth to the story that I feel like Holy Spirit is telling us something here. The son was too proud, he was self righteous. He did not want to enter into the house. What is it that God resists? What did I say in the beginning? The proud, okay? Is he resisting the son? Is he? No. And you think, well, but, he, but he, it says he resists the proud. He's resisting the pride. He's not resisting the son. Because what happened? The father comes out of the party, comes out and he says, he has my other son. Come in, son. But what prevents the son from coming in to the party? His pride. I believe Jesus is saying to us today, watch out for the pride within you because it is that thing that is going to stop you from entering in to the presence. There is so much grace. We see the father showering grace. He loves his sons. He loves both sons. The one is religious, okay, who has very high standard and has a very high opinion of himself. He's a proudful boy. The other son has very low value and self-esteem. He sees himself as a filthy sinner, not worthy, low value, okay? The father brushes it all aside and says, I want both of you in the party. And I feel like this morning, we need to come to a place of repentance, of saying, I want to be embraced by that dad. I want to be embraced by a father that, that despite what I've done, will embrace me. My image of the father needs to be true. I need to get rid of the pride that I have Set it aside, because the son that came back from feeding the pigs, what did he do to enter into the party? Absolutely nothing, okay? We place all our belief and trust in the one that gives us everything. We set our own things aside so that we can enter in. Jesus makes the way for us. Jesus, the perfect image of the Father, shows us how to enter in. Believing in him and that he does it all. He does it all. Just as Evan was preaching last week. Jesus did it all. Jesus hung on the cross. Do you think you did? No. Our Savior, our King, the King of Judah, the, the Lion, he does it all. Why? Why does he do it all? 
because he wants you in relationship with the Father to have eternal life. Not just, not just from when we die, but from now. He does it all. I missed out a whole section about eternal life. The truth of the matter is that eternal life is relationship. He wants to be in relationship with you. The Father pursues you. The Father sits and waits for you to come back. If you're watching at home and you have, you, you've distanced yourself, know that the Father wants you back. Change your mind. Repent. Turn away from what you were doing. Come back. The Father will embrace you. So much grace. So much grace. Just can't, I mean, the story is just full of it. So full. No matter the circumstance, he invites both sons. Uh, Caleb, would you like to come up, please? That'd be great. I'd like for us just for a moment, if you don't mind, just close your eyes. If you, if you don't want to close your eyes, you can look at the painting. But more than that, I, I, I want us to, to rend our hearts afresh. Open your heart up again to the true image of who the Father is. The Father gives you your identity. We are adopted into his family. We've got a good dad. Not just good, we've got the perfect dad represented in Jesus. We can do nothing. We can do nothing. Jesus does it all. Jesus takes us and he makes us new. He gives us new life. The old is gone. The new has come in Jesus. Father, we, we take our hearts and we pray for a refreshing of the image of the true Father. Lord, that we would see you in Jesus. We would see that it is all about a relationship with you. And Lord, there is nothing that we can do other than to receive the love that you have for us, to open our arms and to be washed clean for your servants to prepare a table for us, to come in and feast. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal the proud parts of our body our heart that has become proud, that resists your love. I pray, Lord, that we would remove that, that we would repent of that. We would turn away of our proud moments where we've said we can do it on our own, just as I once did. We can't do it on our own, Lord. We need you, Lord. You're a good God, a loving Father, thank you, Jesus, that you came and you revealed the Father to us. Jesus, that you, in your scriptures and the words that you've spoken, 
reveal the Father to us. In your actions, you reveal the Father to us. Through your Spirit, Lord, you reveal the Father to us. Thank you that we are now children of the Most High God, that we are highly elevated, that we are highly valued, that your light shines upon us as you do it all for us, Lord. We lift your name up, Jesus. We say it is all about you. You're our Savior, you're our King. You've done it all, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Oh, my soul, bless you, Lord. Lord, I pray for each of us that we would, we would come into your presence with a reverence of who you are, but also in the knowledge of your goodness that you shower upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.